and welcome back to the Digital Access Show. Today's guest is someone I've been wanting to interview for a while. He is an assistive technology trainer. Now, I've heard about him through one, one of well, the owner of Digital Access Solutions, Mark Musket, and I've talked to him myself a little bit, and I thought what Adam's got to say is important, and I thought I'd share it with all of you guys. Adam Morris, thank you. Welcome. Thanks very much, Narelle. Thanks for giving me the opportunity of being on the show. Adam, tell me a bit about yourself. What, what is your background? Where do you come from? Okay, I was, yeah. uh, I was born in Canberra. Uh, currently live on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Yeah. I'm currently working for a disability employment agency, as well as doing the uh, adaptive technology training that I do, you know, on the side. It was until I got the job there that was one of my main forms of income, but now it's becoming a little bit less that I've got a full-time job. Yeah. And I was in uh, 2019, uh, I was the recipient of the uh, Blind Australian of the Year Award. Oh, wow. Congratulations, 2019. That was, yeah, that yeah. was basically for uh, a number of email lists that I run to help blind and vision impaired people uh, with all of their uh, technology, uh, you know, in, uh, information, you know, where people can share information and yeah. get answers and things like that. So I've set up a number of lists to do with that. So Adam, obviously you've got a vision impairment then being Blind Citizen of Australia 2019, which is, you know, that's one heck of an award there. What What's your condition? What What led to you losing your sight? You don't have to answer. No, if you that, that, want no, that's okay. Basically, uh, I was born premature, uh, three months, yeah. and there was too much oxygen in the humic crib, and it burned out the retina and the cornea. So I'm basically oh, totally blind. Yeah. So has it held you back? Not at all. No. You know, my parents were really good. They, you know, encouraged me to you know, get out there and, you know, do all sorts of different things like water skiing and tandem bike riding and all sorts of things like that. So, you know, I wasn't sheltered at all growing up. That's, that's good to hear because I think, I know for myself having two autistic sons, we never sheltered them either. We expected them to get out and live life. And it's such an important thing for a parent to do. So for yourself, what lessons have you learned from that? Uh, basically, I've just learned to, uh, you know, get out there, try things, give them a go. If you fail, that's still okay to fail. But then you can, uh, you know, if there's not a way around something, then you move on to, you know, to doing something else. If you if you're not able to adapt to a particular situation to something that you can do. So, what techniques are you using to adapt? This is really interesting. Never thought we'd go into this, but sorry, Adam, I'm interested. <laughs> What strategies are you using if you run into a barrier of some type where you you can't do it in what they would call a typical way? You know, I, I you know talk to people, make suggestions and say, well, look, you know, this is the way that someone normally does something, but how about if we try this or that? And if, you know, if you're lucky enough to get people that will think outside the box, then they'll, uh, you know, jump on board and, you know, give things, you know, give uh, adapt things a little bit 
to, you know, enable you to do, you know, things that you need to do. So you're saying that being able to think outside the box is a very important part of that strategy? It is. And it's, you know, really, it is good when you have people that think outside the box and aren't sort of, you know, extremely set in their ways as to, you know, how they'll, how they'll do things. How do you deal with people that are extremely set in their ways? What do you do, Adam? Um, there's not really a lot that you can do. For for instance, I was working, uh, before I started the job that I'm in now, I was working in a pizza shop. There yeah. were certain things that I could do in the pizza shop because the guy said, oh, well, look, if I can do it with my eyes shut, then you can do it. Yeah. You know, so he was in, in that way thinking outside the box. Yeah. But then, for instance, I said, well, why can't I, you know, uh, prepare the dough for the pizzas? Yeah. He said, oh, no, he said, that's too dangerous because, you know, you've got this uh, thing called a dough sheeter, which, you know, where your fingers can be caught yeah. in between the roll, in between yeah. the rollers. But they basically had guards that they could use but don't use. And I said to him, well, look, could I at least give one batch of dough a go? I said, look, there's ways we can do this. I said, this is talking, uh, talking measuring jugs for measuring out the water. Yeah. He said, well, how would you measure out the oil? I said, you'd get a syringe, like a 100 mil syringe, because I think they use 100 mil of oil in the in the dough process. I said, look, you just use a syringe. The other guys would, you know, just pour it into a normal measuring jug and just do it yeah. that way. But I said, you could do it with a syringe. Yeah. And he said, no, no, you're not doing it. And so I thought, oh. well, okay, that's, that's fine. You don't want me to do that. You're just happy with me doing the things I'm doing. I'm grateful to have the job. And doing what I can do, I wish that I could do more. Yeah. But you know, you're obviously, you know, set in your ways and won't let me try different things to do it. And so, you know, that that's just the way it is. You just sometimes have to accept that, you know, you work with what you can and you know, you learn to fight your battles and some battles you can win, some battles you just have to move on with. Move on to something else because sometimes not everything, you know, can be resolved. That's just life for anybody That's what know, I was and probably say. more so for us because i agree it is life for anybody i think it is everyone will run into things they can't do and what do you do you just find a way around it or if you can't you move on what i mean around the house you know in your outside your working life what how do you manage? What do you use? So do you have a guide dog? Do you use a cane? What are your navigational aids? Well, I mean, obviously around the house, I don't have any navigational aids because I don't need them. But yeah. you know, I, I don't have a dog, but I do have a cane. So, you know, going to and from work, I use the cane for, you know, walking from the bus stop to work and uh, yeah. things like that. I did have a dog a, a while ago, but where I'm living now, there's not enough work yeah. for the dog. Yeah. Do you use any particular apps that you know would be out that everyone would use? Is there apps that we all use, like anyone driving would use, that you use, or is it only apps that are specifically for people with vision impairment? Uh, sometimes I use uh, an app called Next There, yeah, or Move or Move It. They're uh, public transport apps, yeah, and anyone can use them. They're not just apps for. Uh, 
people who are blind and have low vision. Yeah. They're, they're there for any, anyone can use them for, you know, public transport. Okay, yep. What barriers then do you find, you know, in in your work life, Adam? What what are the barriers that you you struggle with daily? You know, even like at home, um, I don't know about you, I pay the bills in my house. Um, my husband does the shopping because obviously being vision impaired, shopping can be a bit more interesting at times. So he said he'll do that as long as I pay well, the bills. But well, I know uh, what I struggle. How do you well, do it? Uh, well, for the shopping, uh, I pretty much organise the shopping. Yeah, I use the I use the Woolies app. Yeah, and so basically, whenever I run out of X Y Z, I scan the barcode. Uh, sometimes the barcode doesn't pick up straight away with the app, and so I have to use uh, another app that's a little, little bit better at finding the barcode. Then once I find the barcode, I can scan it with the Woolies app, add it to the cart, and then basically I just get the uh, get the shopping delivered. That's you know, simple. so you know, so, so basically you can. You know, you can do that. I mean, okay, it takes the, you know, for the people who really enjoy shopping, it takes the fun out of going through the shop and walking past something yeah. and happening to, happening to spot and like, oh, gee, yeah, I might try that. Yeah. Because obviously for me, I buy the things that I run out of and that's it. So I don't get to see all of the different, you know, different things, just like with window shopping. You know, yeah, yeah. Been, been totally blind, I don't do window shopping. If I go into a shop, I go into a shop to buy X, Y, Z, not to not to look around at all the other different things in the shop to think, oh, gee, well, yeah, I might need that, I might need that, or I might need whatever else. So I yeah. guess in, in some ways there's an advantage to it because if I could see, I'd be, probably be buying a lot more different things, not so much in the food food shops, but, you know, maybe in the, you know, tech shops like JB Hi-Fi yeah. and, you know, places like that. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're still using the same app that everyone uses to do your shopping. That's, that, that, that. Yeah, that's right. And with, with Woolies, unlike with Coles, you can pay $15 a month and get unlimited deliveries if they're over $50. Okay. So, you know, yeah. so if you, in, in these days, with the cost of living, it doesn't take long to build your shop up to $50. Yeah, that's it. That's actually a really good um, idea there. It's a good tip for anyone, really. What about, like, you talked about not being able to see like you go into a shop and the window shopping things. And I, I got to admit, I dislike grocery shopping. The only time I liked it was when I could find unusual ingredients because I do love cooking. However, I've got a son that loves it and he rings and tells me about them and says, oh, mum, you got to try this, you got to try that, and I can go and get it. Does it worry you that you can't go and just find those unusual ingredients or, you know, try something different? What do you what do you do? I suppose is the question when you want to try something different. The thing is, um, you know, as I say, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Yeah. So I've so I've never had the experience, you know, like you may have had when you had more sight to, you know, be able to do that and have have that missing. I've yeah. never had that. I've never had that to miss it. Yeah, that's a good point. What about um, booking? What, do you find barriers there? What do you do? How do you manage the cooking? Um, a lot of it's, you know, some of it's by smell. Yeah. I'm not a particularly adventurous cook. You know, what I cook, I cook 
you know, fairly well. Yeah. You know, so basically with a lot of it, uh, you know, say with grilling meat and things like that, you can tell by time and by smell yeah. as to whether it's as to whether it's cooked or, you know, cooked or not. Which is what most people use anyway, isn't it? The smell. A yeah, and, or... and, and, and they do use sight as well because, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll say to my wife, oh, can you come and check, you know, whatever it is just to see yeah. that it's cooked properly, like, you know, to see that there's no blood yeah. running out of it or yeah. whatever, you know, so, and we can't tell that. That's a good, yeah. I do you know, occasionally get my husband. My trick at the moment is I use a talking thermometer and my son being a chef taught me the temperature and yeah. the moment it hits that temperature, I just, oh, she's cooked. Mm. It's you know the tools are there, aren't they, for us oh, in the that, kitchen? And as as someone or as a few people have said over the last you know few years, and as bad as it sounds, now is the best time to be blind, as opposed to fifteen, twenty years ago, or forty years ago, or whatever, when there weren't the technology tools and things that there are around now. I agree. I actually consider myself very lucky because I've lost my sight. You know, compared to you only very recently it's only been 16 years for me and the tools that are there I've never had to worry about the things that you would have had to deal with because the tools were always there for me so I'm very lucky that way what about at work Adam how do you handle work the social aspects the work aspects on a computer the accessibility the you know, even just navigating to work, navigating around offices, how do you handle all of that? Uh, navigating uh, to and from work is, you know, fairly easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know that if I was sighted, I could just hop off the bus, walk up to the roundabout, cross over the roundabout and walk down the street to work. Yeah. But for me, I have to, uh, you know, go down a different street to the traffic lights and then come back. So I'm more or less doing nearly, you know, pretty much a huge, uh, huge circle to get back to that roundabout. Yeah. Because obviously roundabouts aren't safe for uh, for blind people to cross at. Whereas yeah. if I was fully sighted, it might take a minute or two to cross it, but then you can just, you know, jump across the road and be done with it. So, you know, it does take us longer to, to travel places sometimes. And sometimes yeah. we just have to accept that, you know, you do have to go a roundabout way that you can't, you know, take the shortest way because the shortest way may not be the safest way. Yeah. And as far as navigating around the office, it's a small office that I'm in. So I actually uh, have one cane that I take to work with me, which is uh, the normal aluminium cane. Then yeah. I've got a little, a little telescopic one, which I use when I'm actually inside the building. Because as someone said to me years ago, the smaller telescopic canes in an office situation make less noise. Oh, okay. When you, when, yep. when you, you know, if you run into a door or run into a, you know, yeah. whatever it is, it makes a lot less noise than the heavier normal canes that you yeah. use for everyday use. Yeah. What about on the computer? Um, on the computer, uh, there's all, all because of the uh, software that we use, there's all sorts of different, accessibility issues we're using microsoft teams which you know it's a program that i use i don't particularly like it yeah but it's a program that i use and i have to use it because everyone else at work uses it um 
you know, for example, to uh, to find the link, if someone types a message to you and says, you know, this is the link to whatever it is, and they put that in a in a message amongst, they put the link partway in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. You have to actually find the message, press enter on the message, uh, go across a toolbar, find the sentence arrow across to the link, then press another key and go down to a menu that says uh, copy link. Whereas for a sighted person, they would just, I'm fairly sure, be able to see that link in the message, just hover the mouse and just click on that link just like that. So not, it's not very accessible? It's accessible once you know how to do it. But it's just a matter of working out how to do it. And a lot of the people that I that I work with, because our, our organisation has been swallowed up by a larger organisation. Yeah. So, for example, my manager and all of the team I work with are in Sydney, and yeah. I'm I'm near Coffs Harbour, so I'll probably never end up meeting the other people that I'm going to be working with. But they yeah. use a lot of emojis and gifs and things like that, you know, in their message in their messages. How do you not, handle that? Not, not things like smiley faces and whatever else, but they might put little pictures of things or, you know, I don't know what. At the moment, I haven't, I've just basically been ignoring them and just looking at the text. And I don't really want to say to them, hey, guys, can you stop using these GIFs because they're not accessible to me? Because yeah. that's sort of, you know, singling singling myself out. Yeah. I mean, if, if they do put something up there where they might say, yeah, you know, the this this gif is you know a, you know whatever it is you know it might be a uh, you know something that's important then I'll write to them and say hey look I can't read it yeah. but I'm not going to make a big song and dance out of the fact that they're using these image things and graphics and whatever else that I can't use yeah what you know, other which... types, what other issues do you run into then you know with the computer system um like it's time sheeting, everything else. Do you have similar issues in all of that area or is it pretty good? Um, we don't do time sheets. We, uh, if you remember, uh, we, uh, me, Mark, you and myself did a video oh, a while yeah. ago on uh, on our uh, platform that we that we use, how it's not accessible. And I've sent yeah, that off to, right. the, to the proper people and haven't heard anything back from them. Because but basically when, when you go to the when you go to our website, the first thing you get is drag and drop documents here, drag and drop files. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. and all, all that all that kind of thing, you know. Uh, and yeah. basically that's not really accessible mm -hmm. uh to us. So what I've ended up having to do is uh getting links from people to different programs and websites that I'll that I use that run off that page. Yeah. And I've put them into favorites. In, in favorites in the web browser and then I can just go down and look for the link to uh, my leave link to this link to payroll link to you know whatever else yeah whatever it is how have the rest of the team reacted to you has it been a very positive um reaction oh, yeah, or no, the... the, the, no definitely no it is a very very positive reaction mm -hmm. I mean the uh not so much the team that I'm in, uh, yeah. because that because at the moment they don't really know that much about me because I'm not 
doing the same work as they're doing, but the other teams that I put calls through to and things like that, they've been really good. The main thing is, you know, getting people who are in my office who may understand a little bit about screen readers to be able to help with, uh, you know, different things like that, you know, knowing how the screen's laid out, how it's different for us to navigate than it is for someone with sight. Yeah. You know, things like that, because, you know, a lot, a lot of some people that you ask to help, they say, oh, well, look, I'll help, and I'm not very techy. Yeah. So, you know, you know that they're not, you know, there's no real point to explain to them that, uh, you know, things work differently. I've had yeah. other supervisors in the past, you know, that they've worked with me for a long time. They know that I'm blind, but then they'll say, oh, see the little uh, pencil icon. I think how you've been working with me for three years and you still keep saying, <laughs> see the pencil icon. And no matter how many times I say, look, I don't know what the pencil icon is. I'm not even sure how that reads with a screen reader. Yeah. You know, some people, they just in the end don't get it at all. What advice would you give to people then? You know, when talking to a vision impaired person when working with a vision impaired person what advice would you give regarding explaining uh explaining web pages and things to someone mm -hmm. yeah. uh who they're who they're working with yeah uh that's a hard one because i don't fully understand how uh web pages work but you know i i would uh not so much in the work environment, but for people that are uh, coming across websites that they find that all they get on the website is uh, link, link, link. Mm -hmm. And the link just says link. It doesn't actually tell you what the link is. Yeah. I'd suggest to people to contact the website developer and explain to them that, uh, you know, for someone using a screen reader, their site isn't particularly accessible. And uh, there are different stand standards. I think they're the uh, W... CGA standards or yeah, I know the WCAG, yeah. WCAG. I knew you'd That's I knew you'd get it. I knew yeah. you'd get it right, but you know, I'd, I'd tell them to do a you know, to you know, do a Google search on that. And yeah. then, you know, you know, if they could implement their you know, implement that into uh into their site. Yeah. It, what do you what do you think holds people back from employing vision impaired people? They a lot of people don't think it's out of the box to what the person can do. They think, oh no, it's going to cost too much, you know, because they're going they're going to need to make all these different changes to things, and it's going to cost the company too much, which it actually doesn't, because uh, there's an organisation which I know you know about uh, yeah. called Job Access mm. that will actually come out and do an assessment of the site, work out what the vision impaired or blind person needs. And then uh, that will be uh, paid for by the government. Not, I mean, the com the company pays for it first, and then the company gets reimbursed by job access for the cost of the screen reader or the braille display or you know whatever it is, which yeah. you know may may come up to thousands of dollars, but the company does get reimbursed for it. What are the benefits of employing a vision impaired person? I'd like to think that uh, the benefits of maybe not just a vision impaired person, but someone 
with a disability is that in a lot of cases, it's been hard for them to find work. And so they're more likely uh, to be more punctual, mm-hmm. more likely to care about the job and, you know, put in 100% or maybe even a little bit more than 100% into the job because they know that it's so hard to find the job and then to keep the job. Yeah. In everything you've done over your life, what is the most important thing that you would say about accessibility and computers with from where you started school to where it is now? It's definitely come a long way. When I was at school, I was using uh, a, uh, you know, basically a, a talking typewriter. You know, yeah. so obviously that, you know, that took a lot of work. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a very big, very big, huge thing. It wasn't really portable. Yeah. And I was, you know, using that using something called a braille to braille to print, which was, and now it would be a very outdated device, but it would uh, print out whatever you wrote on the Perkins Brailler, which, ena- which enabled me when I was working for, uh, when it was telecom back in the day before it changed to Telstra, I was able to print out all of my uh, call logs when I was, you know, making putting people through to long distance calls. I'd have to write all of that down on the Braille machine. Yeah. And then uh, then it could be printed out. Yeah. Whereas today... Uh, where, just... where, whereas today, you'd probably just, you know, put it in an Excel spreadsheet, upload it to a server, and, you know, whoever needed to look at it on the server would look at it, whereas before they, that information would be put into a, you know, those printed pages would be put into a book and filed away, yeah. you know, somewhere. Because the other people that were working with me way back then in the... Uh, in the late 80s, we're writing it all into a book. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, I think they'd probably be doing, you know, something like that uh, that spreadsheet that, you know, mm. we'd probably all work on a spreadsheet that would be loaded up and everyone could see the spreadsheet, everyone could be making changes and working collaboratively with it and that sort of thing. So technology's definitely come a long way and things are a lot uh, more usable and a lot more accessible than what they were is there a long way when, to go? When I first started, oh, yeah, there's definitely a long way to go. Yeah. So the Microsoft Teams issue was a classic. What else? Um, website accessibility, as I was saying before yeah. about uh, about links. I'm not sure whether I got to finish that, but I'd suggest people contact their uh, web, the web developer of a site where it just says link, 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 and yeah. you know tell them to you know look at putting alt tags in because that will actually put a label. That would be read by the screen reader, which would say uh, link to uh, link to uh, to this page or link to that page or, for example, buttons. People don't put text on buttons. They might put a graphic on a button, yep. but not text. So when you're navigating with your screen reader, or for example with your uh, with your mobile phone, it'll just say button, and you think, what does button do? Whereas if it said end button or back button or next page button, you know, whatever the label might be, that they just put the label on the button instead of just doing a little pretty 
graphic that might look really nice for sighted people. So what you're saying is vision impaired people can be independent just with a few strategies and that's, techniques. That's right. And the only ones that are holding them back are those people that are not employing the strategies and techniques. That's right. That that's exactly that's exactly it. Because you know, a lot of vision impaired people, you know, can help people, you know, think outside the box and go that extra step to getting things working. It's just a matter of having people willing to take that extra little bit of time. You know, so what, for example, for example, when I started uh, in the job I'm in now. The uh, program we used for, uh, you know, receiving and taking calls. Mm. First of all, they said, oh, look, you have to use uh, a physical phone, which has got a touch screen on it. And I said, look, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Then then I rang the uh, IT people and they said, oh, actually, there's an older model phone that we've got that actually has the physical buttons instead of having the nice little graphics on the screen of the transfer button and the yeah. this, that, the other. Then we discovered that, hang on, there's actually this computer app that does exactly the same thing as what the phone, what the physical phone does. And it's much easier because to begin with, I was having to have the number on the computer. Then I'd have to put one hand out, key in the number on the phone keypad, while using the arrow keys on the computer to read the number. So that was very tiring and very time consuming, as you can imagine, yeah. when you when all you're doing is transferring calls. Yeah. You know, and you're using numbers all the time. Yeah. Um, so then we looked at the uh looked at the system and we found out that uh it could be made to work with uh some what they call scripts or a side of people would call them macros. Yeah, and there's there's a uh, someone here in Australia that uh, writes these scripts for the program that I use, which is called Jaws for Windows. That stands for Job Access with Speech. Yeah, yeah. who's that? Just for people's information. Uh, this is uh, someone called Michael Williams. Yep. From a company called Imagine Access. Okay. Yep. And basically, yeah, uh, you know, he wrote uh, he wrote scripts for the program, which you know, uh, there's a lot more key presses that I have to do to transfer a call than uh, other people. For example, other people can use the built-in directory in the program to just click on the person's name and transfer the transfer the call to them. Whereas yeah. for me, I have to have an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Because that because they couldn't make that directory accessible. Yeah. And like yesterday, for example, the old computer that I'm using, uh, the uh, license ran out for Excel. Oh, gosh. And, and so that meant that I could read the information, but I couldn't copy the numbers to the clipboard to paste them into the phone application. Mm. So at one stage, I was using a Braille display and another computer to look up the numbers and then read it on the Braille display and put and put the phone numbers in and as you can imagine that's using two you know two keyboards and everything else so that was a real pain but i yeah. ended up being able to save a text file of the spreadsheet yeah and put that onto the old computer yeah so at least that's a workaround because there's no way they can get that license back because the contracts ran out and this is it it's 
you know, thinking outside the square. Yep. Yeah, the, the, you know, some, sometimes you have to think it's all the square. So we had to get USB access. We had to contact managers to get all of that done and, yeah. you know, everything else. But, you know, at least at least I could do that, think outside the square. And but the first person I spoke to about a USB stick, they said, no, we can't have a USB stick. We're not allowed to use them. Thought, yeah. Okay, that doesn't sound right. We're normally not allowed to use them. But how else can I get this on? So I went to a manager and the manager said, yep, sure, we can get that done for you. Yeah. So it's having people willing to think outside the square. Yeah, that's that's willing right. to work with you. Yeah, and appreciating the benefits that you can bring to the company, which, as you said, punctuality, working that's, that that's right. little bit harder. Yeah, because you do appreciate your work. What advice would you give to any business that is looking at hiring people? I'd suggest to them. Uh, Yeah, I sorry yeah. about that. My headset was just saying auto shut down disabled, so I just had to <laughs> had to fix that. Basically, yeah. I'd uh, I'd suggest to them uh, to definitely look at hiring people with a disability because for the most part they've got uh, good work ethics, or you know in some cases better work ethics than uh, people that uh, don't have a disability. I'm not saying all cases, but some cases, yeah. and basically. Uh, you know, be prepared to put in a little bit of effort uh, in a little bit of time, a little bit of extra time, extra effort to, uh, you know, teaching someone something because in the end it will work out because in the beginning with that, with those, making those calls and things, I was dropping calls, calls were hanging up and all the rest of it. And, yeah. you know, I just said, look, no, I can't do this. And someone said, no, look, you know, just, just, you know, just wait a while, just, you know, keep going with it. Don't worry about the calls dropping out. You know, just, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can yeah. work a way around it. And in the end, we did work ways around it. And you're happy and you're loving life. Yep, that's right. And loving your job. Definitely. Adam, I can't thank you enough for coming on and having a chat with us today on the Digital Access Show. I Just the input you've given is valuable. Oh, th thanks very much again, Narelle, for, uh, you know, uh, letting me be on the show. And hopefully, you know, what I've some of the advice that I've given may help uh, either employers or uh, people who are looking for work, you know, get together. Yeah. Adam, how can people contact you if they want to discuss more about it with you? Okay, I can, uh, I'll give my uh, email address and phone number. Yeah. So the email address is info at at-training.com.au. And phone number is 0414-431105. Adam, thank you. It's been great to have a chat. No trouble. Thanks, Narelle.